you're listening to the big chill podcast this is episode 29 the election special vote for me brother hello big chillites and happy belated halloween i bring that up solely because i was disappointed we didn't talk about it last episode because I really like to mention probably the only time I've really dressed up for Halloween as an adult and the most epic time I've ever dressed up for Halloween as an adult. And that was when Eddie and I were the village people. So Eddie, want to give us a little background? Because I'm sure you remember it better than I do. I don't sure that's saying much. Yeah, it was one of <laughs> it was one of our best. Well, it was the only time we've had. a. I think it's the only time in my life I've been part of a group costume, actually. I've been like once or twice else, but not, nothing of that extent yeah and we we all put in like a, quite a lot of effort to in the setup it was kind of at least a solid month's preparation into everyone's costumes so like i was the biker um our friend tim was the sailor he had a very good like a uh, 1940s u.s sailor outfit on um, fit him to a t and yeah, I don't mean like was, I don't mean like the size fit him, just like oh, the, the size type of person. <laughs> the type of person he is with the type of sailor costume he had was very good. Yeah, uh, Abe had a very interesting cowboy costume on. Oh, <laughs> uh, Abe. Yeah, no, it was good. I mean, we were missing. We were probably one person short. So yeah, it was a shame we couldn't yeah. round round off the group. But it's that a was shame good. Sam couldn't join us. He could have been the the sexy Indian. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you said sexy. <laughs> like, <that> was <laughs> Everyone was sexy. It was implied. We won, yeah. we, won, we won a competition, too. Remember, we went to that house party, that bizarre house party. Wait, oh, uh... can we describe that bizarre house party? That was one of the first off, before we even got there, we were trekking to this random apartment house party, and we came upon a construction zone that happened to be open <laughs> and we proceeded to climb in and start climbing on top of all the heavy machinery and taking pictures. Yeah. We got a great picture like, on top of a digger, which was just perfect. Um, and then, yeah, we went, a friend of mine was running this company where they threw private parties and they were doing this special Halloween party at this venue they had, which was this kind of abandoned warehouse space that they'd converted into this like party space um so it was kind like of a hipster weird. kind of party space yeah it was like multiple stories it had like weird trampolines kind of within it at different moments that once you were on became incredibly hard to get off like as soon as you stepped into the middle it took ages to get off the edge of them but it was it was just kind of weird thing yeah one of them was like it was almost a 10 foot by 10 foot kind of like uh mesh rope thing like yeah. if, if you imagine those things that you would climb in a playground where it's like the cross stitch yeah. ropes. And, but instead you had to like step on them and try and balance your way on these. And there's a yeah. great video of Abe just failing miserably to do this <laughs> for like three minutes. Where he kind of almost got stuck in the middle and was like rolling around as other people were getting it on. It would like shift the weight and he would like roll yeah. to the one side and then roll back. Uh, it's so one of funny. it was one of those things that in like the, the concept of it was really fun and when you looked at it you thought it was gonna be a lot of fun to get on 
but then it was just really difficult to actually manage yourself. It's like and your you worst just nightmare. Yeah, you didn't look graceful at all. No matter who you were, like even if you were super coordinated and balanced, it was just a complete nightmare, particularly once anyone else stepped onto it. And so it was just the perfect way to make a complete fool of yourself at a party. Because by the time we, we got there pretty early, but by the time we left, there were a couple hundred people there. So anyone who was going on there was having a solid group of people just watching them just embarrass yeah. themselves. And I remember I was the construction worker and I had to ruin a pair of jeans so I could short short my jeans. <laughs> no, you didn't have to, but you chose to. <laughs> yeah, let's you, be clear. You can't be a sexy construction worker without short short jeans. <laughs> and yeah, and similarly, I ruined my Amazon suggested purchases because I bought a real leather vest, like a real leather biker cap. Uh, biker leather gloves with like metal studs on them, uh, leather chaps. Um, Assless so, leather chaps. Assless leather chaps. Oh, God. Yeah, not redundant. <laughs> All chaps are assless. And then literally for the next five or six months, everything Amazon recommended to me was relating to the fact that I might be a, a gay biker. It's just a turns, and, you. <laughs> and it turns out you're just not a biker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> like I could just imagine him buying like an Xbox game and it would be like, we think you'd like this latex whip. <laughs> oh no, honestly, I remember because obviously it was Halloween and then a few weeks later I was buying like Christmas presents for my family. So I was ordering like books and stuff and all just various things. And it would be like, you just purchased this like Bill Bryson book. You might also be interested in this leather whip. <laughs> it's just like, okay. Anal beads. <laughs> <Yeah>. Nipple tassels. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I already had those. Do you still have because... the outfits? See, see, I'm actually really disappointed with myself because I I lost everything over multiple moves now. I've just slowly... Mean, wait, wait. I... When you lost everything, do you mean just in your life? Like you've lost internet, yeah. you've lost all your yeah. gambling money, <laughs> yeah, self-respect, dignity. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all gone, guys. Yeah, I... Just... I, I had the short shorts for a while and I was like waiting for an opportunity to wear them again and it just never came about. So eventually I just tossed them. I remember the thing I held on to the longest were the leather gloves. I remember having those. Those were kind of in and around my cupboard for maybe three years. And then eventually they just, they, they had to go. The best, my favorite story from the Halloween too is, so Abe was visiting and for those who don't know Abe, he's quite the character. So he came dressed as like a cowboy and a very, as Eddie said, a very interesting take on a cowboy. So we stayed out all night and then we happened to like- Just to, was, just to, just to explain his, his costume. It was like a little kid's cowboy costume made for a grown man. Like it's very bizarre, but it- up as a cowboy like the cute cowboy playful costume but then somehow they made it for his size like very odd yeah it's so true it reminded me of like uh if you were dressing up um as woody in toy story that's exactly what i was thinking yeah. like it's like an adult woody, woody. <laughs> kind of like that so he's dressed in full costume and then we stayed up all night like and then we kind of lost each other so he was getting back to where I was staying at around seven or eight in the morning. But the thing about this is obviously we're not in the US. So Halloween isn't as big of a deal 
in Paris as it is in the States. And second of all, it was during the week. So that now it's like a Thursday morning and everyone is in like suits and briefcases boarding the, the metro to get to work. And here's this asshole hung over with a cowboy outfit on at eight in the morning trying to get into the metro. And he tells think... this he tells this story of um, the metro he wanted to go on was closed and they were instructing people to go around to like the nearest one which is only like two blocks away but the issue was it was raining and everyone was confused because like for those who've been to Paris people who ride the metro sometimes are just like sheep and zombies they like don't understand what's going on you have to like hoard them away so he says it's it's pouring rain and he's got to get to this next metro and people are like all flustered and scurrying and like kind of running and he locks eyes with this guy in a full suit with an umbrella and a briefcase and they kind of lock eyes and kind of have this unspoken agreement that they're going to run to the train station to see who gets there first so down the street running you have this businessman in full business attire with the briefcase running down the street next to an American in a cowboy outfit running down the street and Abe says he beats him to the thing yells America and hops on the train and gets to gets to where I was staying it's like the see, greatest I, I, story I like to see the real version of like those events because in reality it was probably just a drunken guy in a cowboy suit sprinting for no reason and then yelling America. Like, <laughs> probably everything else is just totally imagined. Yeah, it, it makes uh, him sound like a bit of a hero in this. Yeah, <laughs> he is a like hero. He somehow Abe, done it. For, Abe is the average American hero. <laughs> I'll also say that I can kind of relate because we met up. I think we met at around seven o'clock that night. And I took the metro from from where I was to the bar we were going at, which was like a 30-minute metro ride. And I got onto the packed kind of rush hour post-work metro. And I was dressed as a biker in full leather with chaps. I'd shaved my face, so I just had a big mustache. I had these leather gloves on, this little biker leather hat. And similarly, the looks that I got from people who clearly had no acknowledgement of the fact that it was Halloween and just thought I was some complete freak, like <laughs> riding home in my my leather outfit. I I also had the same experience getting to the bar on the metro, except mine was ridiculously short jean shorts, a sleeveless unbuttoned flannel, and a construction hat on. <laughs> so people obviously had some really good insight into who I was. So did you get any phone numbers from guys that were checking you out, either of you? <laughs> and that actually brings me to one other good Halloween story I have that I just realized uh, like two or three days ago that just shows you how far back the Duca curse goes. I saw a picture that my mom had sent me of me and my best friend we were dressed up for Halloween. I think it was probably like seventh or eighth grade. And the only thing we would ever really do if we had, you know, like some like mandatory Halloween party for school or something like that, we would just throw on our jerseys. And for this one, we were in matching Patriot jerseys. And I believe this had to be either 1999 or 2000. Oh, no, hold and on. Let me guess. You Take a guess of what jersey I was wearing. Drew Bledsoe. Absolutely. fucking <laughs> 
<laughs> Two weeks into the next season, Drew Bledsoe almost dies on the field, loses his position to Tom Brady and never is as good as he was again. Yeah, fundamentally almost never seen seen or heard of again. Kind of hung around for a little bit, but but yeah. That's how Much far like, back the Duke of Curse goes. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. I, I you know what? And I had completely forgotten about it. And then I was thinking about the this story with the the village people. And then that picture popped up into my head of when I had dressed up as like an athlete. And that was the only one I could think of because my friend was Terry Glenn and I was Drew Bledsoe. And that was right around the year two thousand. Has to be said the Duke of Curse kind of maybe to bring us onto this weekend sport. Uh, <laughs> popped up again this week in Frank's uh, bet, one of Frank's bet of the weeks, where uh, it included uh, Pulisic to score anytime goal scorer for Chelsea. Now, fortunately, ended up not losing. Well, the bet itself lost because Jaden Sancho didn't score for Dortmund, but yeah. the Duke of Curse had no impact on the bet itself because it was voided because in the warm up, he suffered a hamstring injury and is now facing <laughs> several weeks out. So he'll be very happy that you decided to give him a specific mention on the podcast last week. Oh, that is such a good one. I hope we can become famous enough that we can bring him on that I can apologize. No, I just like the idea that most people will start. The reason we'll get any sort of traction with this podcast is just famous people listening out to you naming them and then being like somehow who (laughs) dude not wanting to leave the house or anything. I'm like the Madden curse on steroids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And on a weekly basis. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One the annual, you can take people down a couple times a week. Yeah. Yeah. Well, unfortunately for him, he's out a few weeks, but unfortunately for me, I got murdered in my bets anyway, so I don't feel yeah. too sorry for him. <laughs> yeah, I think it's fair to say we all collectively, not a great week in our picks, and we'll do the full summary on Thursday. To I'll give you the rundown on how we went because it's not looking very pretty right now, and hopefully I think we've all got the Buccaneers tonight. Oh, actually, I think Frank might have taken the Giants with the points, like the yeah. Bucks to win, have. but yeah. But either way, we we desperately, I will say I have had the worst of it. I think I may have surrendered my lead, um, but it's not its not a pretty little spreadsheet to look at at the moment, and that might bring us on to some well, of the I was going to say, I could, although the spreadsheet is slightly meaningful to me, it's not a good-looking bank account or <laughs> betting account spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you are, you are right. I know which one is more important, but uh, still, still. Uh, because so that, should we start, that should we start? was a burn. Should we start in some games where we all suffered? Yeah. We had quite a few games we that we to. all agreed on and all lost on. So Do we let's have get to just under. go through our failures here? <laughs> yeah. You you know you know I've done bad when I'm just dead silent in our group chat. <laughs> yeah. Here's here's the only thing I will say. The only the only piece of advice that I gave over this weekend that I didn't necessarily listen to myself. But so hopefully Packers. someone out there did was we do know. not throw the Packers into a money yep. line bet. And that, that was one out, of my one losses. Yeah, and I'm not gonna claim, as I as I said last week, I'm not gonna claim to be right on it because I still picked the Packers and I thought they'd cover the spread. Um, but that at least that little that little bit of advice turned out to be true. Sadly, it should have also been applied to the Titans. 
Uh, it, it should have also been applied to the Chargers. <laughs> it should have also been applied to who else even lost his relatively decent favorites. Rams. The Rams. Rams. Yeah, it was a it was a nasty week. Yeah. I did think about you, Frank, though, with that teaser bet we discussed for the Chiefs Jets, because the spread that you were teasing was 25 and a half, wasn't it? I end up taking the Chiefs. <laughs> I end up taking the Chiefs minus 14. But yeah. unfortunately, in that one, I avoided Green Bay, avoided the Titans, but had the Rams in there plus three would, was the eventual tease. And that did not even come close. No. <laughs> and so maybe bring us on to some talking points. I had a few interesting ones um, from yesterday's games. The Steelers, obviously we've discussed them quite a lot over the course of the season because Frank started not even thinking they're going to make the playoffs. They're in a position now, such a strong position now to be the one seed which potentially could be huge this year because of the expanded playoffs. The one seed is the only team with a bye, I believe. So it's like, it's a, it's a huge thing to have. And they're now kind of in, I mean, they're really in pole position because the Ravens already have two losses. They have the head to head win against the Ravens. They're obviously going to play each other again on Thanksgiving. Weird game though, because I fundamentally feel like the Ravens were the better team kind of throughout and the Steelers just sort of hung in there and then managed to scrape out a win, but didn't look. Now I had the opposite view on that. Actually. Interesting. I thought, he, go ahead. I mean, I don't think Lamar Jackson looked good at all. Bad game for him. That's for sure. Lamar Jackson was the big loser. I mean, the big loser was Lamar Jackson and surprisingly enough, Harbaugh because their clock management in the on that final drive was bizarre. They fundamentally decided at a certain moment in time it was going to come down to one play. They just decided, like, here we go, we'll roll the dice, one play to see we're either going to win the game or lose the game, which didn't wasn't necessary considering they had a couple timeouts and they were on the they were like in the Steelers half on the good, you know, with a two minute warning still to come as well. Like that was very bizarre. But Lamar didn't look good, but I still think fun, kind of odd to, they, they broke a record, right? They were the first team in history, another in the modern NFL, to have been outrushed by 200 yards and also had been uh, outpassed and won a game. Yeah, I mean, for me, I guess this is the only good thing I can say that I predicted last podcast was I do not expect a good game out of Lamar Jackson against a good defense, and he did not look good. Uh, he fumbled twice, two interceptions. He was trying to do his thing where he wanted to like take over the game, but the Steelers kind of, kind of covered him really well. They didn't allow any huge rushes from him. Um, and that's kind of, I think Eddie and I have both said this before, is why I don't believe in the Ravens, is that I don't believe he's a championship winning QB right now. I mean, maybe he gets better, but this is the type of game that when he gets to the playoffs, these are the type of defenses he's going to be facing. And if he puts up a performance like this, they're not going to win. And that's kind of what happened last year in the yeah. playoffs, right? He also nearly murdered, had his 
and his receiver in the final play just killed. I mean, kind of in a way, it was a great throw because he it was an absolute dart, and he did force it into very tight coverage. But it was a real hospital pass, just setting up, um, just yeah. an absolute nightmare for. I think it was Sneed. Um, just yeah. not the kind of thing you want to be on the receiving end of. Now I will say one thing watching. So I watched the majority of that game and then I switched over in like the fourth quarter to the green Bay game, because that was also in one of my other bets that then ended up losing. So, and the sealers weren't actually in my bets, but I was just, I kind of want to finally watch them for a game. The thing that bothers me when you watch the Ravens. So there was a call like in the second quarter where Lamar Jackson was rolling out and was running and was by the sidelines and hadn't yet hit the sidelines, but was kind of being wrapped up by the sidelines. And then another Steeler came in and kind of pushed him out of bounds. And they threw an unsportsmanlike conduct on him for like a delayed hit, hitting out of bounds or whatever. And it just really pisses me off because then six plays later, Lamar Jackson is doing the same thing. He's rolling out to the sideline and it looks like he's going to step out. But then he like does a little juke move and instead of stepping out steps back in and kind of around the defender and then goes back out. So it's like one of these things where, okay, if a quarterback's running out of bounds, don't hit him out of bounds, but this is a very special circumstance where he's not, it's not like Jared Goff running out of bounds where he's not going to try and get the extra yardage. He purposely tries to pretend like he's going out and then we'll do like cuts on the sideline to stay in and go around a defender. So how can you call a delayed hit when he wasn't even out of bounds yet? It's such bullshit. And like he gets those calls a lot and that kind of pisses me off. Like if you're going to be a running back who sometimes throws the ball, then he should be treated like one more often. Cause if that were a running back that delayed hit or hit out of bounds would never have been called. Yeah, I mean, and I think I've got a growing frustration with those kind of interpretive calls in NFL games because if you spend the whole afternoon watching back-to-back games and you just see the different ways in which those kind of uh, rules are interpreted, it becomes so frustrating because you will end up losing both ways almost on exactly the same rule and on a bad day it just drives you insane on a good day when you maybe benefit from it multiple times in different scenarios it's amazing but it can be really frustrating and i agree with you we've kind of talked about in the past the frustration with um defenders having the late hit on players who are clearly giving themselves up or going to the ground but then you do have these scenarios where you have quarterbacks clearly kind of manipulating the system either on the sidelines or when they try and slide really really late knowing that if the guy doesn't pull out they're going to get the flag too and i think there's a few there's a handful of quarterbacks who really abuse that and i feel sorry for the officials in the way because their priority obviously is protecting the players but it does seem like week in week out there are the same people benefiting from it and then you have the reverse scenario which kind of i guess to move us on to another game Maybe neither of you saw it. I don't know how much of the Titans-Bengals game you saw. There was a Titans wide receiver who was absolutely murdered on a play. Yeah, how was that not a call? And not only to me, the worst part about it is, at one moment I thought the guy not would be dead, but serious risk that he was going to be paralyzed because he was instantly unconscious and he didn't move for a really long time. 
I didn't see the hit. What was the hit like? I didn't see it. It was he was going across the middle to make a catch, and he got kind of simultaneously hit by two people right as he was making it and going towards the ground. So he was completely unprotected and then got just hit directly in his head. His head snapped very badly, and he was instantly unconscious. Now, the real killer was not only was he then unconscious and out out for the game. Fortunately, he seems fine, like got up and was functional. Yeah, asking that 20 years later if he seems fine. But then they (laughs) review it, and then because he was unconscious as he fell, he lost control of the ball and it touched the ground. So what had been a huge play for the Titans, it was like a 30-yard pass that had moved them downfield. He doesn't even get the credit. It's like, no, we can't review the penalty, so we can't enforce the penalty after the fact, but we are going to take that play away from you. And there's part of me where it feels like there has to be even though they've made those kind of things non-reviewable, there has to be a moment where they're like, go to the Titan, go to the Bengals sideline and like, look guys, we're just going to say that was a catch because that guy might be dead. And if his final moment isn't yeah. him actually completing a catch, it's going to be really sad. Well, I mean, the thing that I didn't understand was, yeah, he didn't get the catch, but one, how is it not a call of a hit on a defenseless receiver? Cause he yeah, it clearly, absolutely should have been. And then two, how is it just not in general a hit to the head? Because a hit to defenseless receiver, it doesn't even have to be like a direct blow to the head. It could be any like super aggressive hit that, you know, they're not expecting that could really injure them, which it was. But then it also was just directly a blow to the head. I mean, the guy hit him right in the head. So how is it not both of them? Like, I understand you can't call both of them, but how is either one of those not the call? For him to get no penalty on that was insane to me. Yeah. I don't. And it was a, how do you don't call big, that and then and then go on, you know, radio and television and be like, oh, we're really concerned with player safety, so we're cracking down on a lot of things. But you don't call that hit. If you're concerned about player safety, you you call a penalty when a guy gets murdered in the middle of the field defensively, defenselessly. Yeah, I mean, I almost feel to a certain degree as an official, if you see a guy is unconscious. I think you almost should just throw the flag because you just have to assume at that point he's obviously been hit in his head. So just by default, the moment when you've gone, oh, this guy hasn't moved for 90 seconds, we should probably assume that something might have gone on there that wasn't supposed to happen. And maybe every once in a while it will turn out that, oh, no, he just like hit his head hard as he fell and it wasn't the fault of the, you know, the defensive player or whatever. But if you're going to err on that side, I think that's the better way to make the mistake versus potentially having people have very, very serious injuries. I mean, for starters, he was out for the game. He's probably going to be out for the next couple of weeks. And out of it, they all they got was an incomplete pass. And also, he had caught the ball, so the only thing that stopped him from catching the ball was the fact that he was knocked unconscious. Had it not been for that fact, it was going to be a like 30-yard completion at a very crucial stage in the game for the Titans. Yeah, that seems dumb. Like the idea that like he's lost control of the ball, but simultaneously he's also like lost control of like his bodily functions. <laughs> like yeah. he's got no ability yeah, to he do also shat him. He shat himself as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he voided his bowels as he fell. But uh, and I'm, and I don't think the Titans Bengals games deserves too much attention. I will say I'm not out on the Titans in the sense that A, I'm not gonna overreact to one one game and B uh you know about kind two of games. always <laughs> But yeah, true. But fundamentally, to me, their defense looked so bad that it is impossible for me to see them having a deep playoff run because the Bengals just move the ball on them 
with ease. And I know that the Bengals are not a terrible offense, but still it was just, they could not get a stop. Even every time they needed one, they could not get a stop. And I just don't see how when they go into the playoffs, I don't see how it works. I think there was like four or five Bengals receivers that averaged about nine or 10 yards and had about five or six receptions each. They just moved it so easily. It was, it's pretty like chastening for the Titans now because they went into that match with the Steelers and it's like undefeated team. And then all of a sudden they've lost two on the bounce and it just feels, I don't know. It just feels like that gas is just kind of like they've run out now and maybe it's kind of, I mean, they've lost similar thing to the Bears in a way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and for me, it's that thing where, like Eddie's saying, the defense just looked miserable. And I take the Chiefs as a great example. The the Chiefs are an amazing offense, but their defense isn't terrible, and they can make stops when they need to make stops. There's a few instances where, you know, a game will be close, or even when they're down in a game, and you're saying to yourself, all right, I know the Chiefs can score three more touchdowns before this game's over, but their defense needs to make a stop so that it actually matters. And they end up more often than not making those stops. I mean, look at last year in the playoffs, they were down early in what all three of their games. And then their defense kind of picks it up in the second half, gets some stops, gets the ball to the offense, and then they're just scoring at will. So you don't have to have a great defense, but you need to have a defense you can rely on in certain situations to make a stop. And then that game, the Titans defense had numerous chances to stop them, stop the bleeding and give the ball back to their offense. And they just couldn't. I mean, every time the Bengals were getting the ball, they were just continuing to score. Yeah. And also to eating up clock. That was the other killer is that it was, they were yeah. long drives that resulted in points. Admittedly, they did have an interception towards the end that would have actually given them a chance that was then taken away by a defensive pass interference penalty, which was kind of crazy talking about bad interpretations of rules. Basically, the only reason why it was defensive pass interference was because another Titans defender stepped in front to make an interception. So that left the the the, the corner behind him. All he could do was make a play on the potential receiver, who I think was A.J. Green. And it's like, well, just because the ball never arrived doesn't turn that into pass, like defensive pass interference. That, to me, was a little bit crazy. But I don't think it would have mattered. They would have still needed to score on that possession. Admittedly, they would have been on the 30 or something. They would have needed to score quickly and then got the ball back and then scored again. So it probably didn't impact the game, but it was another bad call. Yeah, and I think the other team you can kind of bring into this similar situation maybe might be the Packers. And it's kind of starting to show that their defense might really be an issue here because this was the first game where their offense couldn't keep up with the other team because their defense was just letting them down. There was a time when the Vikings had scored touchdowns on the first four possessions they've had the ball. And not only were they touchdowns, they were long time consuming drives of like five, six, seven minutes. I mean, they only had the ball, the Vikings only had the ball twice in the first half and scored touchdowns on both and then scored touchdowns on the, the first two drives of the second half as well. So I think that's another team now where I don't know. It's, it's tough for me to see them being a team that can go all the way. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Here's the interesting thing. So the, the Packers next game is against the Niners. That's now a huge game for both teams in terms of what their playoff shakeup looks like. That's the Thursday oh, night game. Yeah. Do you mean for playoffs and then for the Niners for a draft pick? 
yeah, to their to see who they get to replace Jimmy G. But the um, the interesting thing there is not that I'm going to say now that I'm picking the Niners, although I might be. If the Packers lose that, and say the Bears lose, are the Vikings back in the race to win that division? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, we, we've said this weekend my, after. My we, IV like, bags might be looking pretty full for a while. You know, they're they're not a terrible team. Like, I don't, I still kind of don't understand why they're two and five because they haven't lost much from last year, right? And last year they were a playoff team. So, I mean, maybe they just took a while to catch stride and maybe now they're kind of getting hot. The issue is going to be, you know, you're looking at a team with already five losses. You can probably only give up one to two more, maybe, right? Maybe, but I mean, here's the interesting thing. Just looking ahead, if you look at the next three games, the Bears play the Titans. Very possible they lose that. The Bears then play the Vikings. So obviously that's, you know, the Vikings have to win it. They in the the process then hand a loss to the Bears. And then they play the Cowboys, which has to be a win based on unless something changes in the quarterback position for the Cowboys. No. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, so and then the Bears play the Packers. So there is a scenario in which three weeks from now, we're maybe looking at the Vikings being two games off the lead in that division. And that could make things interesting. Well, they're only three off it now. <laughs> True. True. So maybe even one game back if things really went yeah. their way. I guess not because yeah, someone be has to win. Someone has to win from the Packers Bears game. So <laughs> <laughs> they could tie. Well, the Bears almost tied last night. So okay, I got one that game was atrocious. We'll just Awful. start there. I've got two two things to say from that. One, we don't need breaking news that Drew Brees has broken the career touchdown record when he is competing against another. Like he took the record from a player who's playing tonight in Tom. Are we going to see breaking news tonight that Brady's taken it back? It has to be like literally it was popping up on the on the like breaking news. I'm so glad you said this. I was like, ooh, part of me at first was like, oh, something horrible in the world has happened, right? So there's, that's my initial thought is like breaking news, like 55 dead. You know, like yeah, this is the first thing. You default and, straight to like terror attack or tragic accident with breaking news. Well, I definitely news. don't expect it to be breaking news from the game I'm fucking watching. My, <laughs> like, my, mine was that Eddie finally has internet. That's what I thought it was going to say. Yeah, no, sadly not. But so already that. So yeah, are, are we going to spend the rest of their respective careers? Like just at least this, this week, it's kind of tolerable because they're playing games at different times. But are we going to have to deal with this? Like if they're playing, if their games kick off at the same time next week, is it going to be like, oh, the Saints have scored a touchdown, breaking news, Breeze, Breeze breaks career. T- and then 15 seconds later, the Buccaneers score a touchdown. And we're going to get like breaking news, Tom Brady breaks, breaks. I mean, it's going to be never ending breaking news at the bottom. It's, it's so dumb. Yeah, that's stupid. Yeah. I think it's like a slow day in the news what with the complete lack of anything else going on like a u.s election that they've just got like outbreaking news okay say it when it happened i was fine with them saying it at the time that he, he broke the record or i don't even say we say broke the record took the lead put it that way and then having it being like a post-game talking point fine but it doesn't need to be treated as if 
he's like broken Jerry Rice's record and now that's the one to beat. It's like they are going to swap places over the remainder of this season and potentially over the remainder of the next, like the next, of their careers for the next two or three or four years. So it's so stupid. And then my yeah. only other talking point from that game, what were the Saints doing in overtime? Why did they kick that field goal with 90 seconds left in the game? As it turned out, it didn't matter because they he made it. But why on earth did they not run the clock down? So the worst case scenario was the tie. I No one could possibly explain that to me so that it makes sense. It was one of the dumbest things you'll ever see, see done. And even though I wanted them to win from my own picks perspective and bets and everything, part of me really wanted the kicker to miss just so that the like they could have ended up losing that game. And it would just been like, what a dumb move to kick with time left on the clock. Yeah. And, well, also, why did they take the delay game? They had another timeout. No, I don't. So for context, for anyone who's not seen it, it was overtime. There was about 90 seconds left. They got to the Bears 10. 25, 10? No, like 10. they got to 10-yard line. They got like oh, way yeah. down there. It was first down. The Bears had one timeout left. They uh, uh, decide on first down that they're going to kick the field goal. They get the delay of game. Then the Bears They got a delay call. of game. They could have just called yeah. a timeout. It made no sense. No, that didn't make sense. Then, then the Bears called a timeout, which also made no sense. During which point it seemed like they contemplated then not just instantly kicking the field goal because the logical thing to do would have just been take a knee a couple times, run it down to like 10 seconds. You would have lost, okay, maybe from taking the knee, like taking a knee twice, you would have lost, I don't know, a yard to two yards maximum, which isn't going to make a huge difference from that range. And then when you kick it, even if you miss it, unless it's blocked and returned for a touchdown, which is kind of the only scenario you're looking at where you lose. Worst case scenario, it's a tie, whereas they put them in a situation where if he had missed it, then the Bears are getting the ball back, admittedly with no timeouts, but still with you know a minute 20 left on the clock with the possibility of trying to put themselves in field goal range to win the game. It made absolutely yeah. no sense. No sense. Why no sense. Did anyone come out from the like coordinators? Did anyone say why they did it? Because it seems stupid. I, like it seems really heard, stupid. I didn't see. The I game. haven't heard anyone comment on it. I didn't really look to their like post game conference. I mean, in the end, right? He made it, so I guess their logic would be, why run the risk? We were confident he was going to make it. Like, why bother running a play where maybe something goes wrong? That's probably the way they would spin it. But I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen someone try to just kneel and have it go wrong in the NFL. I don't know if I can remember ever seeing that. I've seen people mess up spiking the ball on different stuff, but I don't think I've ever legitimately seen someone like fumble the snap when they're just trying to no, like lose so possession. Either. Eddie, the, you're, you're right. Those are two good talking points, but you probably missed the best talking point of that entire game when Wims, the receiver oh, yeah, for the Bears... True decided you know what's a smart thing to do on the football field punch someone as hard as i can while they're wearing a fucking helmet and once Twice. again we have to go through this idiotic argument of why on earth you are gonna punch someone in the head who has a helmet on <laughs> the other thing i don't get about it so again the 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 corner he punches wasn't even on him on that play and seemingly the only thing they could see was that the play before he'd 
uh, poked a Bears player in the face. Like this. So I heard this morning, he says that um, Gardner Johnson had done something like hit him behind the play or something like that, and then had spit in his face. Okay. But what was amazing is he then, like the whole sequence though was really funny because he comes up from behind and instead of just full out sucker punching him, he taps him on the shoulder. So the cornerback Gardner Johnson turns around and then decides to punch him in the face and then punches him again in the face. It was was really funny actually. The second punch to me was actually the weird one because he, so yeah, he does the tap thing, poke. Then he hits him. And then Gardner Johnson just stood there. Stood I think there. everyone was kind of like surprised. And then he pauses for a moment and then he hits him again. And that's when the brawl breaks out. And then the weirder part about it is after the brawl, he reacted. He came out of the like pile that it, that kind of came from the brawl as if the as if Gardner Johnson had done something wrong and that whatever penalties were about to be sort of given we're going to benefit the bears. And then all it just meant yeah. was a, a penalty on them. And he was ejected. Like that was it. Yeah. It was as if he was shocked that he was ejected by punching someone in the head. That, that You're right though. That part was funny. Gardner Johnson gets clocked in the head and literally just stands there. Doesn't even react. And it just gets clocked again in the head. Well, like doesn't even flinch or move. Just kind no. He just, just. I mean, admittedly, he's wearing a helmet, so yeah. you know, like a guy punching him in the front of his helmet's not going to do anything. But he literally just looks at him, and there's yeah. a, a a pause, which in the midst of what is going on seems like a huge pause. And then he hits him again, and then <laughs> uh, then a Saints player, I think it's Jenkins, jumps on whims back and then it kind of all breaks out into a kind of scuffle i mean it must hurt it must hurt his hand like oh, oh yeah it hurts him. really yeah, hurt i, I thought so you were then say, to do it yeah. again <laughs> like to be like oh that hurt because he's got a helmet you know what let's do it again yeah <laughs> like, yeah maybe i didn't hit him right or something yeah it's the dumbest thing ever like uh, if you're really going to punch someone just punch him in the gut where he has no padding break a rib or something you know like even give him even give him a dead leg would be worse than punching him in the helmet just walk up to him and knee him in the thigh just knee him at the side or do that thing where you go behind him and chop him at the back of the knee (laughs) so he does like a really childish exploit that's the thing i don't get if you if you're trying to get your revenge you must know that there's going to be a moment in the game where there's a play where you can do something a little bit dirty that's going to go unnoticed and you're going to, going to like send the message back. Like an accident. Yeah, whatever it is, hit the guy late or something like worst case scenario, maybe you're going to give up a five, five yard penalty or something, but you're not going to, you're not going to get ejected. But the way he did it, he was just guaranteeing he was gone and he didn't prove any point apart from the fact that he is a complete moron. (laughs) The other interesting thing about that story, I don't know if you saw this, Eddie, but Gardner Johnson is the guy who Michael Thomas got in the fight with in practice. Oh, so he's just punchable. Yeah, he, he's got a punchable <laughs> face. <laughs> I just He probably wears a helmet 24-7. <laughs> he's the now only the person only... to not get knocked out 
ever <laughs> because he just wears his helmet around all the time. Yeah. Now, the only other takeaway from that game was Drew Brees looks terrible. The Saints do not look good. Drew Brees looks terrible. He and, made and one really nice throw. Actually, it was kind of a crucial throw where he kind of, in the end, like he had the most, one of the, and I'm going to say this, and I don't want it to be, uh, he had the girliest throw I've ever seen from an NFL quarterback at one moment where he's kind of getting pressure. Let's just say non-athletic, Eddie. Yeah, okay. We have to bring, he, you, have are you to bring implying sex that, into this. Yeah, are you implying that girls are, are non-athletic? Yeah. God, Eddie. Well, yeah, exactly. That might be worse for you, Frank. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's actually worked out worse for you. No. Good. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that girls. Oh, yeah. How does that even make sense? I'm saying girls are athletic and they uh, can sexist, throw. Sexist and a racist. <laughs> Please tell us your opinion on Native American women. <laughs> well, seemingly I'm dating one, so. <laughs> but seemingly? No. <laughs> well, like yeah. it's unconfirmed. <laughs> yes, actually, this is true. She did an ancestry and the first time it came back as her having like 15% Native American, and then she did it again, and it said zero, definitively zero. <laughs> well, so she had lost it during the interim. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. But no, the, yeah, the, um, the throw yeah, he did Breeze. not look, Breeze did not look good. Um, and, and, and the thing he's hiding behind is he, he continually hides behind his stats. Because once again, if you were to not have watched that game and look at the stats, He's 31 for 41, 280 yards and two TDs. Sounds yeah, like a so great day. Not great, but mediocre, I'd say. It sounds average but for a modern NFL quarterback. You watch, and he's like the check down king now. That's all he can do is complete a five-yard out to Kamara. Yeah, and that's the other thing that frustrates me on them. Their play calling even, and I don't know if it's because they're so limited by him, but for example, they had the crucial third down play. And they think they were like third and three, third and four, something like that, um, before the Bears ended up getting the ball back to tie the game and, and get it to overtime. It was kind of like a first down was going to kill the game. And they ran, they just ran like not a screen, but just with Kamara rolling out from being in the backfield and then just threw to him in the backfield. So suddenly you've turned what what needs to be like a four-yard gain into a seven or eight-yard gain. And obviously by that point too, the Bears could just see it coming. And anytime you just got to follow Camaro wherever he's going. It just makes no sense to me. And then I guess we've kind of mentioned a little bit the uh, teams that have maybe their divisions have opened up. I guess it's fair to say that two teams took uh, fairly strong strangleholds on their division yesterday. The Bills with their win over the Patriots virtually eliminates the Patriots from almost from the playoffs, but certainly from the division uh, contention and the Seahawks, given the fact that the Rams also lost took kind of put themselves in a really nice position now in the NFC West. Um, bad game for the Niners. The fact that Jimmy G was, was benched and then, uh, Mullins looked pretty decent when he came on. Uh, and Kittle's out eight weeks now. Yeah, Kittle's out yeah. as well. Yeah, the Niners season is is done. I mean, the interesting thing, too, is their offense hinges a lot on Kittle and Debo Samuel. So even yesterday, just when, without Debo Samuel, they, they look – they just struggle to move the ball. But Jimmy G is definitely at risk of losing his job now. Yeah, he did not look good. And, no. I mean – 
that killed me. So Sam, I had told Eddie already, but I lost all my bets. So I decided to do a nice teaser rebet. I had the Niners Seahawks game under 61 going into the fourth quarter. It was 27 to seven and I lost that bet. <laughs> wow. Whatever they, you touch just turns to shit. <laughs> that was the only loss in that teaser too, because then the Eagles ended up doing well and winning and keeping the score low. But that was my only loss under 61 in a game where going into the fourth quarter, it was 27 to seven. How the fuck does that lose? Yeah, pretty stunning. That's so fucked. <laughs> did, you, did you guys see that um, Cam Newton fumble? What was it with like 37 seconds left? Yeah. yeah. I just, yeah. If, if that epitomized the Patriots in that moment, I, I, I just feel like, I mean, just seeing the Patriots on two and five at the moment, seeing that just epitomized like Cam Newton at the moment, I, that's pretty bad. I mean, the first time the Bills beat him in like 20 years as well or something. It was crazy. But yeah, I mean, they've got to take a pretty... They need to reboot the Patriots, right? They haven't really got well, anything at the moment. The good news for them is they have the Jets next. So they're, they'll get back to winning ways. Well, my question about that game is, are we starting to get a little worried about the Bills? Because now this is another game that... They didn't look great. Granted, they won, but they did not look great at all. Yeah, I, I'm a little bit concerned. My optimism, my preseason optimism when it comes to them, is kind of waning. I think they are a pretty limited team. I'd put them in there firmly now in that second tier of teams, which but is... Let me just... Go ahead. Well, I'm just saying that on their day, okay, they can be very good, and they could they could beat a team like the Chiefs or, or you know, whoever, the Ravens, the Steelers, the Seahawks, you want to throw in there. But fundamentally, they are... Uh, significantly worse than that kind of tier of teams so yeah so i was gonna say the the first four games they won they scored 27 31 35 30 the last four games they've gone two and two they've scored 16 17 18 24 so a significant drop off in their offense and that that kind of makes me nervous uh, you know you need to score points here and to put up 18 against the Jets, that actually makes me a little more nervous than the 24 against the Patriots. I mean, that's compare that to the Chiefs who played the Jets. They scored, what, 95, something like that? I mean, here's the thing is, right? There's going to be the Bills. We're going to kind of know where they stand because their next few games are, are an interesting sort of gauge of where you are because they play the Seahawks, the Cardinals, the Chargers, the Niners, and the Steelers. So over the course of that five games, they play kind of the range of the maybe good, bad teams all the way up to the legitimately good teams. And so that's going to really let us know by the end of that sequence of games, you'll know what the bills are. It could but be under 500 a, after that. It's not unrealistic <laughs> to think that they lose Seahawks, three of those. Cardinals, Steelers, and then one of the Niners versus Chargers. Yeah. They could lose four out of their next... But it's not yeah it's not impossible do you have any other um any other real talking points from from yesterday's games uh i think we can probably save the rest for thursday because i think we can maybe do since it's halfway through the season basically 
we could do kind of a, a little update on, you know, do we have any opinions on any changes on who's going to win, who's going to make it to the Super Bowl MVP, that kind of stuff. We, but we yeah. can cover that in our Thursday one. Sure, that works. Because I think now the MVP race to me is getting very interesting where I think it's Wilson's to lose, but I think he can lose it. Yeah, and I'll say this. He was not that amazing yesterday against the Niners until he got in the red zone. In the yeah. red zone, he made some incredible plays, but f- up until that moment, he wasn't amazing. And early on, the Niners' defense looked great. And then it just turned because their offense just couldn't put up points or move the ball after the first couple drives. It just put them under too much pressure. And against the Seahawks, they are going to score points against you eventually. Like that's the killer. I think it's the same for the Seahawks and the Chiefs. You're going to know maybe you can shut them down for one quarter, but no matter how good your defense is, you're not going to shut them down for like a full half or the whole game. So you kind of have to count on your offense being able to do enough consistently over the course of the game that when you do have that quarter, you keep them out, that you've built yourself like a seven or 10 point lead at, in the bare minimum. And so for the Niners to have not done that, and they were up seven, six, having played pretty well defensively, that was the real killer for them. So Wilson's like eight to fifteen for MVP. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's, but, he's on he's on course right to break the single season touchdown record. And if he breaks that, it's the MVP race is over. Like, there's no way he breaks that record and loses the MVP. Well, and I was is, gonna say, I can see a, a pretty easy scenario that they lose three more games. I think if they lose three more games, it defaults back to Mahomes. Because Mahomes is going to put up the stats no matter what. He's like, granted, you're right. He might not be at the touchdown level, but he's pretty close. I think Mahomes has 22 TDs and one interception. So his stats are going to be phenomenal. And they're going to have the wins. I, I mean, I don't want to Seahawks, though, I, I will wow. say before you get, just keep in mind, the Seahawks still play the Eagles, the Giants, the Jets, and Washington in their remaining games. That's a, those are that's a pretty nice series of games for a QB to pad his stats. So yeah, okay. Though they have four no, games right. that I th- that I think are complete gimmies, and then they have five games that are tougher, but still you're gonna you're gonna win at least two of them. So you're but right. I think, Maybe they lose three, but he's gonna still have great stats. But I think unfortunately, although it shouldn't be this way, a lot of times the MVP is decided by who's the somewhat best player on the best team. And if you have a, a Russell Wilson on a four loss team versus a Mahomes with almost comparable numbers on a one loss team that, you know, people going into the playoffs are saying that they're huge favorites to win. I can see a scenario that they give it to Mahomes. The only thing I do agree with you. The only thing you're not factoring in is part of the Wilson campaign is going to be that Wilson has never won the MVP. And there's going to be part of it there that this is almost like a career award versus even a single season award for Wilson. And yeah. so I think- I, you know, I mean, I've never won the MVP either. I think I should get it. <laughs> I'll, I'll try and <laughs> Once we get our MVP, once this podcast is really, we're like accredited and we're part of the MVP voting, I'll make sure to vote for you. <laughs> accredited. Is there like a podcast accreditation company yeah. that goes along and, and accredited? <laughs> I can Imagine all these thousands of votes for like Mahomes and that, and there's always one for Frank Duca. Frank Duca. <laughs> we'll see how long it takes him to take my vote away. But speaking about MVPs, the real question about who's going to win the vote for MVP of America tomorrow 
Oh, is either of them really the MVP of America? <laughs> For some people, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, what you guys are the ones who are definitely more into this than me, especially I think from a betting perspective. But I've taken a pretty deep dive wait, into wait, it. I have to say, I've been breaking down the polls. I've been breaking down the odds on state by state. On got some kind of interesting, interesting little tidbits when I do the comparison between the polls and the betting odds. There are some discrepancies there, and if the polls are right, there is money to be made by thinking the polls are right now obviously the doubt there is the polls were way off four years ago now they have changed the way they do polls they have changed the way they break down the data so hopefully they're more accurate this time around than they were four years ago but if they if they if they are then the betting companies are a little bit off yeah actually i, I read the same thing you did um you know obviously everyone who followed it in 2016 knows that the, the polls leading up to the election kind of didn't mirror what actually happened, but they did say that they had figured out some of the reasons why the polling was inaccurate and have since, you know, changed the algorithms and the, the computations to adjust for that. But now they're saying because of all the mail-in voting and the discrepancy of how many people, like how many people have mailed in versus saying they're going to mail in versus people who are going to go to the polls and saying they're going to go to the polls because there's like an issue where like you could say you're going to the polls but then things happen and you don't make it versus if you're going to vote by a mail-in chances are you're not going to like not vote by mail-in like it's it's all these little things now with the, the mail-in voting has kind of changed the the models a little bit now but they think they're a lot more accurate than they were in 2016 and accounted for what they were missing the last time so yeah i guess that's kind of going to be the big well the big question is going to be who wins but it'll be interesting to see if this time the polls are more accurate yeah and that shift in the mail-in voting obviously through the pandemic and and you know other factors at play gonna be I would, you know you know overall i would advise people not to bet on this because it could take days to weeks for many of these things to be resolved. I think last last election, the longest it took a state to fully declare the result of their election was three weeks, I think. So you could potentially be sitting on a bet that you think you've won for a pretty long period of time. So in a way, yeah. it's kind of a stay away just because it might be too complicated and you don't want to be getting into an argument with a bookmaker over whether or not they can pay you out before the Supreme Court makes a decision. So I think there's like there's there's some other factors in play here, but it is it is interesting. And there is definitely um, I mean, I'll let Sam, I don't know what what research you've turned up, but I've definitely got some interesting states where the polling data and the odds are do not match each other. Well, so real that, um, quick, Eddie, real quick, Eddie, what I was going to say with what you're saying is I read some good things where people were kind of saying, you know, we don't want this election to not be decided on the night and carry over to the weeks. And people will be responding like, no, it's always that way. You kind of just have never realized it. Like it always isn't done that night of election night. It takes days and weeks into it before states are fully declared. So nothing is actually different. It's just that there's more like hinging on the after day 
counting into the actual yeah. like swing of the state, but it's never actually decided on that day. Like that makes no sense. You know, well, people think, always thought that's what happened, but it's never been what happens. Well, the thing is anyway, right? Technically, I think the electoral college voters don't vote for, I think it's still a month afterwards. I think this time around it's December 4th or something like that. So fundamentally it's not decided until that moment anyway. But what's different this time around is historically someone concedes on election night so that does give the conclusion to the election no matter what not gonna happen i cannot see a scenario in which either one of these candidates concedes it's just not gonna happen well i mean i I guess realistically if biden were to win before all the mail-in votes are cast no no way no 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 what i'm gonna say is being a reasonable person you would more than likely assume most of the mail-ins are Democrat because that's what the polling is suggesting that I think there's like almost a two to one ratio of Democrats versus Republicans. And historically too, it it favors Democrats historically. But there's no way that an unreasonable candidate is going to concede. (laughs) I mean, he said this much, right? He's he's, he's already put himself in a position where he might not even consider leaving office. So there's no way on the night that he's going to make the usual speech of saying, you know, like, congratulations to Joe Biden. You've run a great campaign, you know, disappointing for my supporters, but you've all been amazing. You know, we'll get him four years from now, but best of luck to everyone in America. Like that speech is not going to come out of Trump's mouth. No. I'm pretty sure that um, I think today or yesterday Trump said that we'd like Pennsylvania, obviously one of the big uh, like battleground states. He was basically like the second the polls close, I'm sending in a team of lawyers. <laughs> it's like it's well, Pennsylvania crazy. is an in- Pen- Pennsylvania is a really interesting one because it's obviously a key swing state. But the other thing about Pennsylvania is they count uh, in-person votes on the day first and they count all other votes afterwards. And that each state does that a little bit differently. So because of that reason, Trump is gonna pay extra attention to there because it's more than likely that he will be winning the when they kind of finish the in-person voting, but he may well lose the state overall. So it's gonna be in his interest to try and put pressure on in Pennsylvania for them to either either to kind of put legal pressure on where they declare before they've been able to count all of the mail-in ballots or early voting, or in the very least to just kind of maybe make them do a recount or something. So Pennsylvania is going to be an interesting one for him. The reverse of that is Florida, where they count the mail-in ballots and the early voting first. So that's going to be a really interesting indication of where the election is going, because again, a swing state and historically, the Democrats have always been always been ahead of uh, the Republicans going into that, like once they've counted those early votes. So what you're going to the the interesting thing is going to be is if Biden is more ahead of Trump than uh, Hillary Clinton was four years ago. That's going to be kind of the because I think she was ahead by around two hundred thousand votes, then ended up losing the state by about a hundred thousand. So fundamentally, you're going to probably want to see Biden up by 350 to 400,000 votes, you know, kind of fairly early on to have any confidence that he's going to win the state. And that actually brings up my first state where there is a discrepancy. Now for this, I've used 538 because they kind of are the leaders in polling and the projections in the U.S. Obviously, Nate Silver, who's the founder of 538, 
he kind of rose to prominence after he predicted the outcome of 49 of the 50 states in the 2008 election. And that's what made him famous. And then eventually he formed 538 for this very reason and then sold it to ESPN. And now it kind of exists in doing, uh, you know, data analytics. and analytics <laughs> in sports and politics and kind of just about everything. Now he says they've tweaked, they feel much more confident in their algorithms and their projections this time around than they did four years ago. So I kind of use them as the guide for, cause he got really badly burned. People killed him after he was so far off four years ago. So Eddie, um, why don't you give me the state and I'll give you the odds on my website, an American okay. betting website. Florida, what are your odds on Democrats winning? On Democrats winning Florida, they are the underdog at 27 to 20. Yeah. Whereas they have Biden as a 68% chance of winning. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, Florida is well known for like a surge of Republican voters really, really late on. As but well. it means if, if you believe in Nate Silver, if you believe in 538, there is huge value in betting on the Democrats winning Florida. Yeah, that's a good one. What other ones? Arizona. Let's go home, Frank. Oh, you want to go Arizona? I've got my, I got my ear to the ground in Arizona. Let me tell you guys. Arizona is currently, the Democrats are favored 10 to 13. Sorry, Democrats. Biden is favored 10 to 13. So slight favorites. Now, slight favorites. Interest, interestingly Republican enough, Republican one to one. According to 538, 70% chance of winning the state. So you're still technically getting value there based on what their projections are. He should be much shorter in the betting. I can tell you I've seen both sides of it in Arizona. It is very geographically um, spread out depending on uh, if you're more. It's, it's like it's the classic, you know, like city versus rural. Um, it's it's crazy. The difference when you start to get out of Tucson and get out of Phoenix and kind of get into the the mountains and the 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 farmlands and things like that and seeing just the the change in the flags that are flying let's put it all that the, way all the high elevation places yeah 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 that's what it is <laughs> it's all the, high the higher elevation. you go the higher you go the more popular trump is what about <laughs> texas is an interesting one because obviously traditionally a republican thing but the, the, a lot of things that i've read recently is that the democrats feel like that's really open, like more open than recent times. Uh, what's okay. it saying there, Eddie? So Texas, I have as one to three favorites for Republican and nine to four for Democrats. See, I think there's value there in the Democrats, just from what they've been saying in a momentum perspective. But I think the thing is that they've given them, they're giving themselves a live chance of winning it which historically wouldn't really be the case. So I think it's more that they've made significant enough inroads in there for them to imagine a scenario in which they win. But the reality is they know that they aren't going to, but it obviously it's going to, I also think Texas, this one, I'm not sure. And I don't think Texas gives all of its electoral college votes because some States, right? You either, you win the state outright, you get all the electoral college votes. The, some other States, they break it down based on the percentage of votes that you win. I think Texas does it as a percentage of votes that you win. So I think in that respect, uh, Democrats gaining ground um, will be beneficial to Biden's uh, electoral college count. 
What's the percentage chance? No, they're they're a take all state, Eddie. No, then then ignore everything I just said. <laughs> I think so. I think it says it's it says it's a yeah. take all state. Well, then in that all. case, yeah, in that case, there must be uh, the percentage chance they've got Trump at sixty one percent. So fairly heavy favorite. So, so again, the odds though give you some value in in Biden there. I looked through. This is the interesting thing. I looked through the odds. There was never value in Trump. So every scenario, everything you look at, like there's no moment in which the Trump uh, has has better odds than the uh, polling and the statistics would indicate. Now that might mean the betting the betting companies, which sometimes happens, have a have their ear to the ground and are getting better information, or they're obviously. Um, somewhat being inf- uh, affected by the way money is coming, right? Which again, can be its own indicator as to how people are voting. Um, well, what about, uh, what about what people are calling the major swing, the swing state in Pennsylvania? What does 538 have on that? Uh, they have Biden at 86%. They are basically calling it for Biden. They're calling it, yeah. Wow, there's actually value in that then because he's five to nine to win that. Yeah, and so good value. Yeah. Yeah. Now the downside is right, you can't combine these things. So nope. You, Singles only. Yeah. It is it's so annoying. I tried to put so many accumulators on that ended with like Biden or No, you can you can do that. You you can do that in some places. But what I mean is you can't combine, you can't be like, I'm gonna bet. Now they might put the bet together for you if you asked it, but you couldn't oh. do like Biden to win Florida, Pennsylvania, and Arizona. Like they're not, they won't let you throw those all in again yeah. because they they'll kind of see them as related events, right? Yeah. What you um, did you see that someone put a million uh, euro bet on or a million dollar bet? Sorry, uh, on Biden to no, win. No, I didn't. Um, at what, so, at what odds? Like one to two? Um, I think the return they would get is one point five four. So yeah, whatever. But that's going to be like shading, you know, maybe like eight to 15 or something like that. But yeah, someone put a million. Um, and obviously what you were saying last time about uh, the book is expected to be like over a billion on the election. Um, I didn't realize apparently it's illegal to bet on politics in the US. So even though they've relaxed the law, you're not allowed to bet on like politics yeah, no, within the USA. And that so is the other this interesting. Money is global. Yeah, well, I mean, that was specifically the biggest book, right? That was specifically Betfair. So that's UK takings they were talking about. The interesting one on Betfair is that, which I've done in previous elections, they do live betting. Like it goes constantly. So you can bet on the state (laughs) as things come in. So you could start to see, you know, maybe early uh, uh, results coming out of certain counties or certain parts of the state. And you can see how the odds adjust and and if you know those counties well enough even if it's like not the way that you're betting if it's like if there's less dominance than should be anticipated then you can anticipate the rest of the state would like be the other way that'd be pretty interesting if you really knew your shit yeah 100 you can you you can do that in the uk really well okay here's constituencies here's a good one i have all right i'm gonna eddie i'm gonna name off some states um it's Biden to win the battleground states and you have to do the exact number of states he's going to win. So you can't do like over three, over four. 
So here are the 10. You tell me how many of these 10 he'll win, and I can tell you what the odds are. Ready? Okay. Arizona, Florida, Georgia, Iowa, Michigan, Minnesota, North Carolina, Ohio, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. Um, so I'm doing this based on how many I think he will win or how many yeah. the... Either one. Uh, you Do you want to do either how many he'll win or how many... Uh, I mean, how many you think or how many 538 says? I think he'll win eight of those. I actually, whilst I was counting, I went up to seven. Okay, so seven would be six to one. Eight would be five to one. What are the what's the number with the shortest odds? Eight at five to one. What's what's him winning all ten? What are those? Six to one. Interesting. I think if you look at five thirty-eight, I think he's a slight has a slight edge in all of those states. So if you listen to them, he should be winning all ten. This is the interesting thing. If you look at the five thirty-eight, um, they have Trump winning twenty-two states, um, and Biden obviously winning twenty-eight. To me, the interesting one, then looking at the value, they have Biden as a 90% chance of winning this election, which again, wow. huge discrepancy in the odds when you think that he's around one to two everywhere. Yeah. The other thing to me that was interesting is that they that from their projections, the average number of electoral college votes that Biden gets is 349. Now, when you look at the over-under that most places have on what the number of electoral college votes he wins, the over-under is around 310, 311 in most places. Oh, so they're clearing it. So again, on that basis, you should be going over on the electoral college votes. It should be it should be easy now. They maybe said the same thing last time around, so it might be a big loser. But based on that, it seems that... Similarly, I, the other interesting thing, I did look at kind of a lot of... So wait, real of, quick. If, if, if that's that, then how many... What would the margin of victory be? In electoral votes, uh, his margin of victory will be 160. 160 Democratic, 160 is five to one. You can get 150 to 209 as your margin of victory for five to one. That seems it's actually pretty, not a bad bet. Yeah, based on that, if if 538 are right, right, like if 538 yeah. are right, based on this, and you just back them, you clean up tomorrow, or sometime in the yeah. next three months and then so then the one below that if you still think biden's going to win from 100 to 149 would be seven to one that's a because great that's, value there that was the other area i saw as interesting value is you can do betting on the number of states that biden will win and so obviously they project him to win 28 now you can bet on bet 365 you can bet on him winning 26 or 27 at seven to two and you could bet on him winning 28 or 29 at nine to two. So you'd fundamentally have that nice range of four right oh, yeah. around where they're projecting and you'd still have decent odds. Unless their projections are completely off again this year. And <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, money. yes. Yeah, but they can't get it wrong constantly. <laughs> and also, oh, truth be told, you actually look at it, they weren't that wrong. Like it, it's a bit of a, it's it, obviously I think people 
were more shocked to Trump winning. But they did massively predict the popular vote for Clinton around the three million mark that she did pick up. They just openly got things wrong with things like educated voters in a few of the key states where they did get it wrong in the battleground swing states. So with polling margins of error as well, they could they they weren't actually as wrong as people suggested. I just think it's really shocking that you saw Trump win. Um, no, yeah, you're right. Then fundamentally, if you look across the board, they weren't that far off. The interesting thing there is when you're touching on popular vote aspects, one of the things I did think that was interesting, you look through a chart that they have, they show how key the popular vote, winning the popular vote is to Biden. I mean, obviously everyone expects him to win the popular vote, but that he actually needs to win it quite significantly because when they look at it, if he only wins the popular vote by two to 3%, which would sound quite comfortable, but it means they then project his, his chances of winning the election itself drops to 41%. Wow. It's crazy how you've got a system that so many people nationwide could vote for one person by like in the millions more, but ultimately it doesn't matter as much because fundamentally it just matters in a few places. Like I, I get it that the British election like constituencies are a little bit similar, but everything there is first past the post, right? It's just basically you need 50% plus one vote to get the seat. So whereas here it's like you could have Biden winning quite easily with four million, four to five million more votes and yet still lose. It, it just seems crazy, you know. It does. And look, I don't think the electoral college system is perfect. I also don't think that a straight first past the post on popular voting, like the popular vote nationwide would be great either, because I think it would make very silent minorities in the US. So I can understand, I think the electoral college system has to be tweaked to be more representative of you know, you kind of, they're trying to strike that balance, right? You don't want New York and California deciding who the president is, which would be the risk if you just make it come down to the popular vote. At the same time, you don't want people in New York and California to feel as if their, mo their vote then seemingly doesn't matter because the electoral college system means that the combination of all of those middle American states is more important than they are. It's, it's a difficult balance to strike. And I think the system isn't perfect as it is. I also don't think the reform would be to go to a purely first-past-the-post system. Yeah, absolutely. It's quite a dated system anyway. But Frank, you, you have you boarded up your home? Are you ready for the riots over the next coming weeks and days? Yeah. <clears throat> we have bars on our windows, so I think we'll be okay. <laughs> Just tells you Wait. the neighborhood we live in. <laughs> so you've always had the bars, or is that a recent thing? Yeah, no, no. We've always had the bars. Okay. Okay. I mean, that's the that's going to be the killer, right? Is there's going to be protests. There, there will be protests and anger regardless of who wins. It's just going to maybe change where that protesting and anger takes place. But no well, matter the, what. And, the end, and let's also say rioting as well. Not protests and anger, but maybe just rioting and excitement could also be a possibility. R rioting. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. And excitement. <laughs> like yeah. they're somehow well, no, joined Frank... that people get really excited, so they loot. Oh, yeah. Or, or put it this oh, way. I yes, could Frank it. Is a... Th yeah. Think about when people, win, and like, when people win like NBA championships and the city's on fire, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
no, there will definitely be people too taking advantage if something people took to the streets to celebrate either outcome. There's going to be people who take advantage of that by seeing this as their moment to take a steal a new flat screen TV. So like there's that's always going to happen on either side. Um, but you know, it's it's going to be interesting to watch. I'm happy I'm not in America and I get to watch from a from the sidelines, but we'll see what happens. As, while the US burns, we just watch it from Europe. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we're much better off. I think we got plenty of problems yeah. of our own. So. Well, you guys can go F yourselves because you'll have to watch it in your lockdown, pussies. <laughs> yeah, in, in our lockdowns, in our lockdowns while we got terrorist attacks going on. So I'm not sure, I'm not sure yeah. which scenario is better. At least you're locked down though, Eddie. That's true. My odds of being killed by a terrorist are very low right now. Unless it's a Eddie, you... really coordinated attack on your house. <laughs> like, they they heard what you said a few weeks ago and they're out now. They're out to get you. You lock then up you those doors, I'll, put I'll tell them, on. Bring, bring it on. Just you Eddie, out you the go, window. You... <laughs> Just, come and get me. Are you even going to be able to watch it live, Eddie, with your shitty internet? <laughs> I will, but the issue is my... You know, I'll probably get the actual, if we think of the, the results itself are going to take, you know, a few days. I'll, I'll probably get the results in time for the next election. I just like this idea that they've always talked about these like lawyers, like basically they just put hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of lawyers and they just deploy them across their country. Like they're in some sort of like battle bus or like they parachute them in. <laughs> they're just like, I need 10 lawyers in Pennsylvania and then they just like airdrop lawyers into these specific places like that's what gets that's what i find crazy about this kind of u.s election and it's just everything seems to eventually be one big giant lawsuit <laughs> like, there's one at the moment in like um uh i can't remember where i think it's like texas i think it is like this kind of suburb of dallas where the republicans are trying to get 120,000 walking votes like stricken from the record because they're they're saying like irregularities and things like that but it's no, consequently it was... in a heavily democrat voting area and it's just like if it happens at the small level like outside a city and then you do that nationwide it's it's an insane amount of like legal deployment it was i think it was if this is the one you're referring to it was because they were doing drive-through votes that set up like a drive-through station to, because of like COVID. So instead of like, like queuing up and going into like a building to cast your vote, you would drive up basically to a booth and then just do your voting there in your car with the booth next to it. And that's what they were calling illegal because of some rule that like it's against the constitution to to like drive up and vote or something like that. It was like, it's, the argument was pretty funny. In, in fairness, they're right, right? I mean, George Washington never voted in a through in a drive-through. <laughs> you know, I can imagine this kind of like horse-drawn carriage equivalent of a yeah, drive-through. Exactly. And, and then George you Washington got one, never ordered McDonald's through a drive-through. <laughs> and then you got one vote for all of your horses. That was the other thing. <laughs> but not women. <laughs> no, exactly, or blacks. <laughs> Yeah, black yeah, they came when days. they couldn't vote. But Those if you had a lot of horses, the days. it was a better time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I thought that was an interesting thing too, because That's Justin Clark, who's a Trump political advisor, as part of the fallout from various things they've been trying to do to 
you know, already complain about the voting system. He said, traditionally, it's always been, been Republicans suppressing votes in places. I thought it was a very, like a revealing, honest uh, bit of sort of misspeak on his part in a sense of trying to make a point. Well, he's basically just implying that this, they shouldn't be doing it this way round. Yes. Normally it's me who rapes people. This is, come on, guys. Stop stealing my thunder. <laughs> but no, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I like watching it. It's it's good fun. I always liken it. I always enjoy like an election night. You know what the I also enjoy the... watching is the the technology. Oh you yeah. really go the all up... in on the technology, and they it's so unnecessarily uh, like animated. It's just yeah, funny it's like... to see them mess up because they having they're having like these animations that are completely unnecessary and it's just a clusterfuck on their screen i love it <laughs> yeah when they've got like wolf blitzer going like full minority report in front of you and he's saying like yeah. <laughs> trying to like declare a new state no it is good but i think the downside is they should listen to they should like look at what the nfl does and they should do those really bad graphics like the espn oh, like God. cartoons the they should have animations. like trump like a, a trump animation like running over joe biden in pennsylvania <laughs> <laughs> Now, I think uh, what is kind of universal, though, right, is a lot of people have complained that neither one of these candidates would be their first choice, regardless of how they're going to end up voting. So interesting thing is, I thought, if you could have a presidential and vice presidential ticket, but involving current or former professional athletes, who would be your ideal ticket and why? Sam? What do you I wonder, think? I wonder, I, I had, when I thought about this, I did think of like clarification questions. Do you want them to be a serious ticket? Or are you just thinking like, who could give the most like, um, like personality to it or who could be the most, most hilarious in the office? Like, are you try and convince for, like, me, try and convince dream me. Ticket? Dream ticket. Maybe you think they could really win. Maybe you think they would just be the best outcome. Try and con try and convince the, me and try and convince Frank that if we if we could, that we should vote for them. <laughs> I would go. There was something a little bit serious with this one, but Tiger Woods, I think, would be no a. Way. I knew, <laughs> but this is the point, right? Because I think with Tiger Woods, right, there is a great story about him like redefine the game it's like fantastic Sam, you could bring I'll that cut you here. energy I'll cut that you off here why uh, so i think you're right to an element there there's about 2000 women around america who've got great tiger woods stories <laughs> <laughs> who's his running mate antonio brown <laughs> <laughs> no but this is what i love it's like no, tiger Bill woods Clinton, actually <laughs> tiger woods is one for a scandal and that's exactly what i want i want trauma and scandal we're in a president and Tiger Woods is going to give that to me. Like who would have expected that he crashed his car and then all of a sudden women start coming out about him uh, having like <laughs> multiple affairs. It just feels like it, it would be the Bill Clinton situation where you've got a guy who's pretty competent and then does some like tiny thing and all of a sudden everything comes out from- Whoa, 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 hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. You didn't do a tiny thing. A tiny thing which... led to the unraveling of many yeah. big things. That's what I meant. It's like one thing 
led to the unraveling of everything. And that's exactly what happened with Tiger Woods. Like, and I want that in a president. I just want to see this drama unfold in front of me. So, so who's his running mate then? You got to give us your full ticket before I can make up my mind. Uh, you're not going to vote for him. But this one, like I actually had a, like a really tough time thinking of vice president. And there was a few people that one of them genuinely made me laugh because of like the the idiocy of someone like Sarah Palin and I in my head I was like okay I want to go for someone that is just pure character and just hilarious <laughs> I actually went for someone like Hulk Hogan <laughs> so your ticket is <laughs> Tiger Woods and Hulk, and Hulk Hogan. I just okay. laughed so much at the idea of like Hulk Hogan just these like campaign rallies doing that ear thing where he like goes to the crowd uh, yeah. or like he's talking about like you know what you know what I think of abortion? And he just does this massive flex or he just big boots like a pregnant woman or something like that. I just laughed so much at the idea of just him walking down to his music at like a rally with like the... I mean, he's got great music for running for president. He's got that going for him. You've already got the campaign I will song say, chosen. I will say separately, they sound terrible. But when you put Tiger Woods and Hulk <laughs> together, it's actually a pretty decent card. I mean, I mean, you've we, got we kind of like in... the face of Woods where, you know, you could probably understand decent things coming out of him. And then you've got the complete comical value of Hulk Hogan. Like he'll win you, he'll win you some good states as well. We should throw in here, right, that Sam actually had a period in his life where he founded and ran a political think tank. So he might be, he might be this secret kingmaker in, in politics. Yeah, this is his, this is his future role. I mean, I'm just putting weird people together. But I hate to say ticket. it, Frank. Uh, I hate to say it, Sam. I'm going to absolutely kill you with my ticket. If if my two guys are up against your guys, you have no hope. Did anyone pick women? No. Ooh. Frank? No, I actually no, I did not. I thought about it. I thought that would be an interesting part to the card, but I did not. But then you thought no, <laughs> like no, a, a woman in I have. I, do you want me to do mine? Then, then Frank thought to himself, which one is least likely for me to imagine? A, a woman in, 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 in the Oval Office, or B, a female athlete that I respect? <laughs> it's called the Oval Office, not the Ovary Office. God. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> All right, which okay, man do you, you pick then? Yeah, let's go for it. Okay, so... Mine are kind of obvious, I think, because I took it seriously and didn't pick someone who's in a massive sex scandal. Um, <laughs> oh, so that's the one you're concerned with, not Hulk Hogan. Actually, Hulk Hogan also had a sex tape come out like a year ago. Yeah, right? so yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm going for pure controversy. I guess the thing, right. the good news. I Actually, mine, same... mine does have a sex scandal. Uh, before you say yours, Slightly. the thing Sam has going for him, if you imagine that when you go into a political race, they're always going to be trying to dig up dirt on you. And the advantage he has, if you are like political advisor for the Woods-Hogan ticket, you're like, good news, guys. <laughs> they cannot find anything on you that is yeah. possibly that isn't already worse. out there. <laughs> well, they might find something that's already out there. But I mean, barring None. a murder or something. There's there's nothing coming out that makes either one of them look worse. It's it's another classic Parks and Rec episode where they pretend that 
if they were to run for office, what dirt could each other of them find on each other? And there's the one where Aziz Azari is in the Jedi outfit and they say he's in Taliban robes. <laughs> <laughs> Taliban robes. He's like, I was a Jedi. He's like, say it to the American people, Taliban. <laughs> That's a very good one. Uh, okay, so mine it does also have some controversy in it. I'm going Peyton Manning for president and Derek Jeter as vice president. Interesting. So I think you get the Manning effect of just being like that everyday guy, successful, who put his head down, do the hard work. He's personable, kind of goofy, doesn't take himself too seriously. He could do like an episode on SNL of himself, things like that. And then you have Derek Jeter, who's solely there to get all the minority votes. Oh, that's oh, the wow. only reason he's there. Oh, wow. You, wow. I mean, that yeah, is. <laughs> I, I can imagine hey, your wow. thought process as well going like, I wonder if I want to take someone's stance on immigration or abortion or like maybe their well, character or personality. No, no, no. Just about picking up minority votes. <laughs> like, yeah. You're really thinking politically on this one. Hey, it's the name of the game, right? And you have to figure too, now he's in Miami. So he's going to get a lot of that Latino vote down there. You know, he's, he's got a lot going for him and he's a good businessman. You know, he's got, he's running the GM of the, the Marlins. It's, he's a solid vice, I think. Here's an interesting question for both of you. Which party do you envisage your ticket that's, running That's for? exactly, I was just about to say, Frank, yours has got to be a Democrat ticket. Mine's a little bit confusing. Does it? Uh, mine's Is it? a little bit confusing because I've got a feeling that Hulk Hogan would have to be Republican, but Woods, <laughs> you would you would think maybe one's got to convince the other, right? Yeah, I would it like would, to see. I don't know if Manning's a Democrat. Tough one. I would say so. It comes across. I would say as historically no, based on where he's from and stuff like that. But that maybe I also can't see Manning being a Trump supporter. So I think maybe he's evolved into a Democrat. Derek Jeter, I'm going to assume, is a Democrat based on for you, Sam. I think you might I think you might be surprised. I would it wouldn't surprise me to find out that Hulk Hogan was a Democrat. I think you could be looking at two Democrats on your ticket there. You could be now, that doesn't mean they have to run as Democrats. No. But I do think naturally you might have two Democrats there. He could be picking up some serious, like, Bible Belt Southern State votes if he was Democrat. Now, here's the interesting thing. My ticket oh, wait. involves... Wait, wait, wait. Um, Before you do your ticket, I just did a little quick search on Manning's um, politics. So most people are suggesting he would side Republican. And one of the reasonings is... It says, get a little more insight on where Manning stands by looking at the people he's gone into business with, business with specifically no, Papa, John. Pa Papa John CEO, the first yeah, no. person Manning kissed after winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, true. Not a great <laughs> if that's true. any indication, he is strong Republican. True. Okay. Well, I'm going to say that my presidential candidate is definitely Republican, although my vice presidential candidate is definitely a democrat <laughs> so i don't know which party they'd end up running on my presidential candidate is historical winner 
he is going to bring back the respect that Christian conservatism in America needs and wants. And he is then going to have someone on his ticket to bring in the minority vote and to also bring the kind of social activism in that the Republican Party needs. My presidential candidate is Tim Tebow. And my vice presidential candidate is Colin Kaepernick. So much in common, both fundamentally peaked in their footballing careers around the same time, both famously kneeled. So no matter what, no one can be anti-kneeling because if you hate Colin Kaepernick's kneeling for, for police brutality, you got to love T-bowing. So yeah. either way, everyone's going to be It's the slogan, kneeling. we kneel for you. America. Exactly. <laughs> Unite America over kneeling. That's the first move. So everyone's on board there. On top of it too, you know, you've got the fact that that uh, Tebow has, he's a realistic candidate. In 2012, NFL fans voted on which quarterback they would most like to see as president of the United States. And Tim Tebow won that vote. So I know I've got a groundswell of support. I'll ignore the fact that only 2000 people technically voted in that. I don't care. I know I've got the data to prove that he's a viable candidate. In 2018, he was asked if he was considering running for president in 2020, and he said he would not rule it out. So I have a live candidate here. He has said if God oh, wants him to- I think I have to, a slightly live candidate as well. You do. You do. The only one who doesn't is Sam. But you, <laughs> you do, particularly his <laughs> vice presidential candidate. <laughs> I don't know. I think hey, I, I don't know. Um, it's more viable than it's no way. Yeah. Could we no also way. just let you know that the rock is meant to be like a front runner next time out? Oh, like, yeah, but the, the rock and Hulk Hogan are very different people. <laughs> I at least my like an has an NFL player ever come close to the White House? Um, I mean, physically, yes. <laughs> In terms of yeah, they go every year when they win the Super Bowl. <laughs> In terms of being president, um, uh, no, I guess I'm going to say that I think in, I think like I'm Senate the closest. I love that you two had this thought about like minority voters and representation and things like that, and I just like the idea yeah. of some guy walking out and just like. <laughs> Saying like, oh, I'll have our candidates on the ropes as he like runs the, around the, good the thing, ring. The issue the good with Eddie's is there's no way that happens on Eddie's ballot. There's no way those two form a ballot. Wow. We form a new party. <laughs> what is that? The football party? Exactly. The kneeling party. <laughs> the quarterback club. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the kneeling party could be a gay club as well, Eddie, to be honest. Oh, then we got them on board too. Look at this. We just, <laughs> we're, we're covering everything. Now, here's, here's what I will say. The advantage that Sam has, Hulk Hogan ignores all, uh, like avoids all of the pronoun controversies with transgender people because he just will call everyone brother. And like, you'll <laughs> never, never get himself into trouble there. Unless it was seen as insensitive because he would keep calling Tiger Woods brother. Yeah, but it's like <laughs> to, to reference the, the TV situation from Frank, right? It's like the curb your enthusiasm thing where as long as you prove that you do it all the time, you're fine. Yeah. So he just keeps saying brother, it's okay. I mean, he's on record, right? We've got nearly 50 years of Hulk Hogan calling, calling people brother. So 
he'll be okay. He'll survive that particular scandal. I could just imagine him at a vice president debate, just like running to like the other vice president and just hitting him over the head with a chair, like from the back of the head. <laughs> well, think if it's, if it's your ticket versus The Rock and someone else, then maybe they organized a wrestling event instead of yeah, a, instead of a be, debate. Yeah. You Actually, could just have be, a big it TLC. It could be Donald Trump. It could be yeah. Trump. He's already done exactly. WWE. True. True. So, Eddie, speaking of your Tebow being the 2012, this is pretty ironic because I pulled up an article from November of 2012 of 10 athletes who could be president. So this is eight years ago, and we can see if they're still relevant. Number one, Shane Battier. Not relevant anymore. Perhaps the smartest player in the NBA. That's what it says about him. He is very intelligent when you listen to him speak. He's obviously went to Duke. Um, a smart guy, but he hasn't been relevant since that Heat dynasty fell apart. So he probably missed his window to run. Now, here's one that four months ago I would have put on my card, but no longer after his words can I probably put on the card. Oh, Drew Brees. Drew Brees. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, no, Drew Brees. Well, here's the thing is Drew Brees would be very popular with certain a certain demographic. Yeah. Which isn't big yeah. enough to win the election. The other thing too is it was fundamentally it sh showed that he would make questionable statements as a candidate. So killed his political and, career by showing himself not to be sensible in how he approaches hot topics. Or maybe he can springboard it off and kind of give the take of look at me, I'm not so rigid as to make a mistake, hear the other side and shift my viewpoint. True. He could swing it that way. True. Well, just to let you know, I mean, Hulk Hogan would talk about like Hulkamaniacs. Uh, here's one from him. To all my little Hulkamaniacs, say your prayers, take your vitamins and you'll never go wrong. <laughs> also, the thing you're forgetting too, right? Hulk Hogan was so close with Andre the Giant. So he gets to kind of spin that off that he was friends with an immigrant who came to America and made him and made his name and you know who was also had disabilities. He gets to he gets to really spin that story as to pull on the heartstrings of America. I actually so think the, I found a fantastic candidate here. The next one is Jeremy Roenick. He's a hockey player. I don't know why. The reasoning is I don't know who that is. So he'll tell you what you need to hear and not what you want to hear, is what they say about Ronan. Oh, he's, and he pulled, oh, he's Roy he, Keane. He pulled someone's suit jacket over their head in a fight on the floor of Congress. Highest ratings ever for C-SPAN. <laughs> but the funny thing about this is he he's the commentator. He's one of the commentators for NBC. And he went on spitting chiclets and said some things about a female co-host on NBC. And then he was fired from NBC. So he is no longer in the running. <laughs> Right. It was actually a pretty funny comment, what he said, but... So we're, so we're 0 for 3 away. so far. Yeah. Magic Johnson. Still viable. Next one, Tim Tebow. Also one of my favorite conspiracy theories, right? Magic Johnson was never HIV positive. This is my... Not that I, not that I totally believe it, but it's one of those... It's one of the few like legitimate conspiracy theories that I can kind of get on board with, is that they convinced Magic Johnson they needed a like non-gay yeah, face of the HIV AIDS movement so that it normalized the concept of having HIV. Wow, that is crazy. It's an out there theory, but uh, of the out there theories, 
as far as they go as so it's like not landing on the moon or that George Bush plotted 9-11. I can't get on board with those. I could maybe get on board with the uh, the Magic Johnson HIV one. Tim Tebow, we discussed that one. Best candidate ever. This is one, I don't even know who this is. Chris Clue. He was the Vikings punter who's taken stands on such issues such as gay marriage oh, and voting yeah. rights. He's got no problem calling out existing politicians for rampant hypocrisy. Those language of choice wouldn't quite pass. I remember he had his moment in the sun, particularly over the gay rights stuff. I do remember him being pretty outspoken on Twitter and stuff. So I remember, I vaguely remember who he is, but obviously it's laughable to think that a, a punter could ever spin a like a punting career yeah. into being a no a no one likes him as punters why would they like him as president <laughs> yeah now here's the one thing i will say having watched the cowboys game yesterday just to, as a slight detour um we've to- spoken before in the past about how quarterbacks need like the quarterback face and how they need their head to look right in the helmet for you to really have full confidence in them ben DiNucci has like the face of a punter and every time he just gets the ball, I just think to myself, like, you're playing the wrong position. Like, he just does not look like a quarterback. But anyway, keep going with your going oh, your, with your list. Jeff Burton, the NASCAR driver. I don't know who that is. <laughs> he said he's going into politics. So, uh, Derek Jeter. Say he's whatever you want him to be. Charming, gritty, multiracial. That's what Yahoo says. <laughs> so oh. Yahoo's right with me. I read. Why, why are we trusting Yahoo? <laughs> I mean, hey, jokes on you, Frank. Not yeah. only are none of these candidates via, uh, relevant anymore, Yahoo isn't either. Yeah, I was going to say if something else Yahoo. has become less relevant in like eight years, it's Yahoo. Have, haven't we had this discussion before? I'm like still loyal to Yahoo. Yeah, it's so bizarre. <laughs> I still like. How? How are you loyal? Like, so, in like, fairness. Yahoo Sports is still okay for their reporting and stuff. They're still like pretty decent for them. Like I always go through Yahoo. I imagine Yahoo's probably one of those search engines. Like, you know, Bing? Bing's top searched um, word is Google. (laughs) (laughs) So people just use Bing to then find Google. Like they'd rather be really unproductive and find Google at the end. So here's an interesting one. The next one is Layla Ali, Muhammad Ali's daughter. Not relevant anymore. Sorry. And then the last one is. Once her dad died, she kind of, that was, she had to try and do it when her dad was still alive. And, and she was like a really good boxer at the time. I don't think she boxes anymore. Does she? No. She's got to be relatively old now. Yeah. And then the last one is Chow Sonnen. He's an MMA fighter. I don't know why yeah. he was on there. An I couldn't MMA imagine an MMA fighter. Yeah. That was their 10 in 2012. Hey, Joe Rogan might end up as president. That's oh, as God. close maybe as an MMA fighter will come. That would be awful. Wouldn't totally. I don't think he would have any interest in doing it because he fundamentally likes just doing the things that he likes doing. And there's no way he could continue to like take DMT constantly, sit in his isolation tank and just go <laughs> hunting if he was president of the United States. That being said, Donald Trump's managed to play golf almost every day. So hey Roosevelt hunted all the time. A little bit different back then. Teddy. <laughs> <For> Teddy. FDR. <laughs> Teddy. <laughs> Let me specify FDR. that. 
FDR FDR didn't go hunting, but he sometimes was used at a gray a greyhound races. They used him instead of the bunny to be chased. They just used to connect his. They used to just connect his wheelchair to it and just uh, chase the president. I thought you were gonna say he did chariot racing and they just connected him to the horses <laughs> to the greyhounds. Also true. Yeah, champion. They, they, his nickname was Ben Hur. I was thinking the other one. I was thinking Eddie. I didn't know if it would count. Would be Mark Cuban. I mean, yeah, not an athlete, but obviously famous fundamentally through the world of sports. Owner of the Mavericks. Yeah. And I seriously think, might cons- might actually run in the future. Yeah, he said that he, he's considering it. I think he has a pretty good chance of winning because he, he kind of gets, he comes in as that sort of centrist Republican. And yeah. people kind of like him for the most part. Like, so, and he's he's also won over a lot of Democrats, right, by just being staunchly anti-Trump. So, he'd probably be the most viable of all the people we've mentioned. <laughs> but uh, I still, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm, I look forward to the future where the Republican primaries, like the vote, the run for the Republican candidacy, includes The Rock and uh, Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban, Tim Tebow, Peyton Manning, and The Rock, oh. 2024. That's a debate I would want to watch. Oh, what about <laughs> Kanye? Oh, God. Kanye. <laughs> Having seen him appear now twice recently, A, his appearance on Joe Rogan, and then also his appearance on that Letterman show on Netflix. And just seeing, I mean, I think he desperately needs help. He's obviously someone with some slight mental issues. So first and foremost, he needs some people to give him some very solid treatment. He's also just an idiot. Yeah. I did like Letterman because Letterman asked him if he'd voted for Trump in the last election. And then Kanye West said he'd never actually voted. And then Letterman was like, well, I've been, you don't get a say in these things. And just like the look on Kanye's <laughs> face from that. Now, maybe we can pivot from an election that will decide the future of the nation to another event that is happening on Tuesday. And that is the race that stops a nation because this, we have the, we have the Melbourne cup. I think it's kind of difficult for us to do any kind of deep preview on it, obviously, because none of us follow Australian racing, horse racing really closely, but there are some interesting uh, British Raiders yeah. that have been sent over, or former former British horses in the case of, uh, of a few of them. So it'd be yeah. interesting to see if uh, have any of you looked at it a bit. Either of you yeah, looked at it a bit. And I, a, I saw yeah. um, I saw O'Brien is top two, right, with um, Tiger Moth and um, Anthony Van Dyke. But I saw the Dragonet was there as well. Yeah, which is, an which is now yeah now based in Australia. Yeah, yeah. It's there's some interesting. There's some interesting horses over there, actually. I, I, I did look and I saw the... Because usually none of the jockeys go over from Europe either. It's, it's normally always um, Australian jockeys, right? Or is it just COVID? No. Um, Ryan, usually Ryan, Ryan Moore goes Ryan there. Moore usually goes over because he just chases purses. I think Buick yeah. is a very international one as well. Like he was always in May. Yeah. And, and he actually went Buick, to like a weird race in Mauritius as well. Yeah, Buick, Buick goes even to Hong Kong and stuff sometimes. And so does Murphy. He does like a stint in Hong Kong too. Yeah. So does the Doiler. True. But no, it's just the, the COVID, the pandemic. 
uh, means that they're reliant. Even O'Brien, for example, himself isn't going over for it, right? It's just his representatives in Australia who are taking care of it. Yeah, I mean, I didn't look too much into it, but the thing I saw was Tiger Moth is favored, and I probably rightfully so. It's probably the best horse in in there. It has been pretty lightly raced, so it's tough to truly gauge how good it is because I think it's only had three races this year. Um, but the interesting thing is it has a really wide draw, and the difference that people say a lot between the UK racing and Australia is the draw does matter because the turns are so tight and having a wide draw can be a, a, a much greater disadvantage in Australia than it can in, in the UK. So, but that's not to say that it's still not possible. Cause I remember the same was, this is a while back now when Adelaide went down for the, uh, the Cox plate and that was Ryan Moore actually went, that was like four or five years ago. That was an, an O'Brien horse and it had the wide, the wide draw and Ryan Moore had a masterful, Ryan Moore ride and won that race, but they said it was, you know, pretty amazing what he was able to do from the wide draw. So that's, I guess, just something to keep in mind. Yeah. It's an interesting one too, because the other issue here for some of the horses coming from Europe is that they are untested over this distance because it's a 3,200 meter race. So several of these have never raced over quite that far. So that's the other sort of factor in play, uh, including with Tiger Moth is that you're also hoping that it stays that extra distance and there's reason to believe that it will. Um, but you are taking a leap into sort of multiple unknowns, which is never, never ideal when you are picking a horse. And the other thing too, is it's, it's a handicapped, right? And I'm pretty sure I read that tiger moth has a really low weight because it's only had four races. Yeah, no, yeah. Tiger moth is, uh, I think Anthony van Dyke is top weight. <sighs> top weight. Yeah. So now that's um, it's interesting. My pick, uh, not that it's a, not that it's a very confident one, is uh, Surprise Baby. That's my finished fifth last year. Finished very strongly. Went from came from well off the pace and flew home to finish fifth. Um, so hopefully, if it gets a slightly better positioning in the race this year, then could could well win. Um, Another one super lightly raced this year, which maybe isn't ideal. I think it's only raced twice this season, so that's not perfect, but does have the advantage through that that it hasn't been hit hard by the handicapper because it hasn't done anything to justify a, a increase in the weights. And Surprise Baby is now the second favorite. It's always one of those ones I'd be interested to see. There must be, again, a huge discrepancy between like the UK markets and the Australian markets and all that. Always interesting to see what the odds are in different places. But do you think it would be for that? Because I feel like that's kind of like when Aidan O'Brien brings horses to the States. A lot of UK horses have better odds except if they're an O'Brien horse because everyone here knows O'Brien so his horses are generally if not the same sometimes even worse odds in the states so I wonder if like a horse like Tiger Moth still has you know like a five six to one odds but another you know English horse uh, I think uh, Joseph O'Brien has some right and, and Joseph Rollins O'Brien has, has one yeah, you know, like maybe like I mean, the interesting thing, horse. right, is Aiden O'Brien has never won the Melbourne Cup, whereas Joseph O'Brien has already won it. Yep. So that is an, an interesting one. You you might be right there. Um, the one thing I'll say is that 
I think when I looked earlier, Tiger Moth was around seven, seven to one, eight to one in Australia. So there might be, it might not be quite as short uh, as it is in, in the UK market, but it's probably not a huge, huge difference. I think he's, oh, he's uh, Tiger Moth's been backed into about fives at the moment. So yeah. yeah, which seems very, very short for a Melbourne Cup uh, horse, but who knows, maybe it will be amazing. And I mean, O'Brien has a decent horse in Master of Reality. You know, he, he ran a good race in this. Actually, he was in this last year. Now that I remember, he ran a pretty decent race in it last year. And he's uh, he's a Frankel horse, I believe. That is the interesting thing about the Melbourne Cup is you do usually get horses appearing multiple times. So it is. I kind of like it from that perspective is that you do feel like, you, you know, usually you'll get sort of two or three runs at least out of a horse in the race. Yeah, he got fourth last year in Master Reality under the Tory. So Sam, what's your pick then? I don't really. It's. I've always watched the Melbourne Cup, and it's always, it's always a difficult one, because, like you say, it's a long race. It's dirt. It, uh, there's a lot of light, light race horse. But I'd probably stick with, I'd, I'd probably stick with Tiger Moth. I, I just like the fact that, as you said about the weights, it kind of works for him. Um, yeah, I'd probably still stick with Tiger Moth, even though, um, as Frank said about the draw. I'd still go with Tiger Moth. Another one I liked in there was, um, uh, I can't remember its name. Um, <laughs> I've just drawn a complete blank, but there was another horse I liked in there, but I can't remember it now. Great tip. <laughs> Great tip. It's one of my better tips. I'll tell you it's, after it's, the race which one Exactly. It was. You get to claim that it won. Oh, you know, I remembered it was <laughs> that one that finished first. Oh, yeah, I remember its name now. So the other one was Russian Camelot because... It's it's run against a couple of the other horses in the race, like Sir Dragonette and things like that. And its form's pretty hard to fault because um, it, it's transpired that the race it ran in, like the Caulfield Stakes, the Cox Plate, has actually had pretty decent form with the winners. So seeing it at like 10 to 1, I think that's probably good value there. So Yeah, interesting. It is an interesting race. I mean, it's always well worth watching the time it goes off at is a little bit of a nightmare for Europe, European viewers. But if anyone, I mean, this episode, by the time anyone listens to it, the race will have already happened. But, uh, you know, it starts for me, it starts at five in the morning. So for Sam, four in the morning, nice time for nice time for Frank, though. Nice evening race for you. <laughs> yeah, I could actually probably watch it. I mean, I think I like Tiger Moth, you know, lightly raced, low on the weights. But I think I'll actually stick with the O'Brien who has one. And I would go for either of the O'Brien horses. I mean, they're both at pretty good value. Um, Master of Reality is 16 to 1. And Twilight Payments at 20 to 1. Both ran uh, in the Melbourne Cup last year. Uh, and both have had pretty good campaigns this year. So Master Reality has uh, gotten second twice and won its last race. Twilight Payments won twice this year. Um, and notably... Twilight Payment has some pretty good form that you can kind of run through. So it uh, the last race it had, it got third to search for a song. And then search for a song ended up doing pretty decently in the Ascot Champions Day uh, races. So, you know, it's, it's lost a group one to a horse that then followed it up with a second in another group one. So it's got some good form to it. Um, and it beat Master of Reality this year. So I think they're pretty close to each other. And they both have that experience of running in it last year. And, and 
Joseph O'Brien's got the experience of winning it. So he knows what it takes to train. So at 16 and 20 to one, you know, it's pretty good each way for, for both of those. If I had to choose one, I think I would stick with master of reality, but I would probably throw a little bit on each. Not bad. Well, any other um, political or sporting topics that need to be covered? Just a big uh, Giants win here, hopefully. So I survived my survivor pool again, but for some reason, five idiots or seven idiots decided not to take the Kansas City Chiefs over the Jets. Which Hold is on a-, a second. You spent like five minutes trying to <laughs> convince <laughs> So that was the move. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it may have been the like move. The Titans? What? Who'd they take that they lost on? Um, they took the Titans. I think there was like three or four on that one. The Packers, there was three. Uh, and the Rams, there was one. So that's the seven. Yeah. And there's another four that have the Bucks tonight. The Bucks, I can get. I can get just. That was who I would have picked, would yeah. be the Bucks. I, I could get anyone taking the Eagles, the Bucks, or the Chiefs in that in this weekend's games. Now, as it transpired, the 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 Eagles not a comfortable win, um, but I can I can get that move. If the Bucks win today, there will be fifty people left in the Survivor. Not bad. So not I'm bad. I'm very disappointed that I'm not one of them. I'm the only one left out of all of our people who have entered in it. It's so. a little bit upsetting. Yeah, isn't it that the worst picker is still in it? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, should be a good game. I'm excited to go watch my uh, Danny Dimes fumble three or four times. And worth saying, everyone, you get a special surprise this week because we will be having our bonus episode, which will drop on Thursday. So you'll get to listen to us three times this week. What could be better? Lucky devils. Anything. <laughs> So, so what is our special episode, Eddie? Our special episode is we are speaking. It's our first interview. It's our first special guest. And we will be speaking to Zealand, who is a football manager, YouTuber, slash streamer, slash commenter. Um, And we will be talking to him about the new version of football manager uh, that will be coming out in a couple weeks kind of how he got into his YouTube streaming life, kind of to obviously as an American to have wound up playing the game that he does is a little bit unusual and just talk about what he's expecting from the new game and kind of how he'd like football manager to be improved. So if you don't like football manager at all, probably can give this one a skip, but if what you if have like any me, interest, you have no idea what football manager is, Eddie. <laughs> well, you look, I mean, it, the be- clues in the name, right? <laughs> Yeah, it is. It kind of is one of those games that does what it says on the tin. But um, (laughs) you look, if you have no interest, if you have no idea what it is, we'll do a little introduction to the game anyway. So if you really want to find out what it is and maybe think that it might be something for you, if you're at all interested in football, and by that we obviously mean not American football, like European football. If you have have any interested, (laughs) if you have any interest in that, uh, in joining the, you know, the socialist side, uh, you can, you can listen to us on, on Thursday. Sweet. I'm excited to do an interview with someone that I have no idea what they do. (laughs) Well, that's what you can (laughs) ask them. You can just open straight out and just say, so what, (laughs) who are you? (laughs) 
Who the hell are you? Why are you here? All right, boys. Well, I guess I'll see you in two more days. <laughs> see ya. Cheerio. Bye.